For today's episode, I interviewed my sister, Ashley. Not only is she a busy mom, but she also has a small business that she runs out of her home. Join me as she tells her story and process. I'm Tina. I'm a wife and stay-at-home mom of three boys. Life is full of crazy, and I want to share it with you. I really want to do this podcast, but like you, I don't always have time to sit down and record. So we're going to fold laundry, bake, do all the things together while we talk. I'm glad you're here to walk through life with me. I'm here with my sister, Ashley, and um, Ashley, I was wondering, would you be willing to just tell us a little bit about you as we get started? Hi. So I live in Minnesota, really close to where I grew up. My husband is from Missouri, so we also lived there for several years. We've been married for 11 years, and we have three kids. The two girls are in third and first grade this year, and our son is four. And we have been committed to homeschooling from the beginning. My education was in English and linguistics, so I love books. And I found that has been the perfect foundation for me to be a homeschooler. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be working from home and finding that balance. You've been able to make knitting something that you enjoy and turn it into a way to work at home. I'm just wondering, how long have you been knitting and why do you love it? I started knitting almost 13 years ago after a college friend taught me. I love learning new techniques and so from the beginning I was constantly seeking out new things. The precision of it appeals to me. But also the past few years, I've gotten more into playing with color and being more artistic rather than just replicating patterns, going off and doing my own thing. I also dabble in crochet. And in the past year, I've taken up spinning and weaving. I now try to see my crafts as a way to unwind and express myself instead of just making it all about having finished items. A few years ago, I wrote a pattern for children's mittens, and now I'm in the process of improving the pattern and adding more sizes to it. I also want to make video tutorials to go with it, so I probably won't get that published until next winter. Now, after our grandma died, I remember you told me at one point that you found some of her unfinished projects. What kinds of projects did she have and and was how did that feel for you to be able to work on some of those projects that she had started before? Yeah, I found a basket that I now use to store some of my yarn. And there were two sets of needles and two patterns for dishcloths. And one of them was half started on one of the pairs of needles. And I don't remember ever seeing her knit. So that was a surprise for me. Um, So that first pattern that was already on the needles, I finished it. And it's interesting because you can see it was made by two different people. 
one half is slightly smaller than the other half. And then after that, I took the other pattern and made that other dishcloth. So she was always a crafty person, but the fact that she knit, that was a surprise to me. But it is special to share that with her, and sometimes I wonder what would it have been like if we had done that together. That's really cool to think about. And then where do you have that washcloth? Do you use it, or is it kind of just something you keep separately to remember? Initially, it was just decoration, but then I got to a point in life where I realized I really don't like having a lot of stuff that attracts dust because I'm not very good about dusting. And really, it was intended to be used, and so I use it. It's in our dishcloth drawer, and it gets lots of love. Oh, that's great. Um, What sparked the idea in the first place? to create a business from your hobby? So the first nine years of our marriage, we had a string of disappointing jobs. I wanted to come up with something that I could do from home to increase our income, but all the things I heard of other moms doing sounded really boring to me. Eventually, I heard about tech editing. A tech editor checks knitting patterns for accuracy and consistency. Tech editors need to have a lot of knitting experience and knowledge so that they can read the pattern, picture in their mind what is happening, and figure out if the pattern is written correctly. In college, I worked as a writing tutor and a proofreader. So when I realized that I could combine my love for proofreading, my experience in knitting, and my perfectionistic personality, I figured it would be a great job for me. In the spring of 18, I cashed in a few old savings bonds to pay for an online class in tech editing. After that, I put off starting the business while we were buying our first house that summer. But a few months after we settled in, I found my first clients. So at this point, I have been editing knitting patterns for about a year. My basic schedule is to do school in the mornings and editing in the afternoons while the youngest naps on the days that I have editing to do. I like how you mentioned that the other stay-at-home mom jobs just really weren't for you. And I think that's important to realize that not all of those normal or go-to mom jobs fit everyone. But sometimes it's hard when you see that, oh, so-and-so, they're doing whatever from home. I can't do that. Or I have no interest in making earrings. Or I have no interest in whatever it is. And so I think that's really great that you noticed that and just didn't get caught up with the, oh, I don't like to do any of those things. I guess it's not for me. Yeah, if I'm going to spend my time on something, I want it to be something I enjoy. And I also wanted to do do it as an example for my kids that God gives us all different interests and we can figure out good ways to use them. What are some of the pitfalls that you've had while starting your own business? I really enjoy tech editing. I have met some really great designers who have written me enthusiastic testimonials after working with me. Some of my designers send me work regularly, but 
but I also get contacted by new clients who randomly come across my website. My favorite patterns to work on are lace shawls, but I learn something from every project. There is an online community of tech editors who share advice with each other, and in this group, I've become acquainted with other editors who have a lot more experience than I do. When I first started out, I saw these other editors, and I wanted to be good at everything and be experts like they were. And I had lots and lots of ideas growing about how I could expand my business. But eventually I realized these women got to where they are today by working steadily for several years. And all of them have older kids than I do. And now they're working more hours and becoming well-known in the industry. Whereas I'm in a different phase of life than they are. I'm newer and I have to accept my limitations and figure out how to work within them. That is such a good point. Because again, we can easily see someone else's success and not necessarily realize that there were a lot of steps and, and the whole overall process to get to that point. How did you or do you determine your steps and goals then as you pursue knitting as a job? It's been one big experiment. I get an idea, I try it out, I see how it goes, and I rewrite my plan. So one idea that I had was that it would be really great to work on larger projects like pattern books. I think I was attracted to the idea of seeing my name on a copyright page as a book editor. Last winter, I worked on a book project that had seven patterns in it. The designer sent me the patterns one at a time over a few weeks, and it was a positive experience. A few months later, that designer emailed me again asking if I would be interested in doing another book in the summer. So I was looking forward to that. But then the entire project ended up arriving in my email right before you came to visit me. And then I found myself busy working while the rest of the family was having fun at the pool. I did not want this to happen again. So I began to give serious thought to my workload. I'm not sure if you mentioned it when we were there or not. I didn't realize it was a full, like a book being published. I, yeah, I, I feel like I remember you saying that you've realized that you've gotten really busy and had to take a step back. Um, how did that work? And then do you think that taking that step back helped? So there are days when we get all our school finished around lunchtime, and then I get enough work done during nap time that I can be finished with it when my son wakes up. But then there are other days when he wakes up and I'm still trying to work because it took longer than I thought it would, and so I'm having trouble focusing because all the kids are there. And so then I'm late starting supper, and then I feel like I'm a failure at managing time. There was a point where I was regularly doing three patterns a week, and so initially it seemed like I was handling it. But then I realized I'm, I'm having to tell the girls that I don't have time to do their musical instrument practice with them. 
And there were several days when I didn't have time to take my son outside. And so I started to reassess my priorities. And I came through that time completely convinced that homeschooling my children is so important to me that I'm willing to limit my work so that I can give my best focus to them. That's not easy to do when you really love what you're doing, but then you feel this pull between that and and your family. And it can be really easy to give in to that, that desire. Well, this isn't really going, to, this isn't a long-term thing or you know, th- like that, that is a real struggle. And I know I've felt that too. Did you have any maybe passages or something that encouraged you to keep the focus on the family instead of more pursuing your business on the side? So the first is Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. And then the next one is Luke 17.10. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. I think what really helped me was just remembering why did I start homeschooling in the first place? And also just why did I want to start my own business? And it all needs to be done for the good of the family. And something can be a good thing, but then it can become too much so that it's done in such a way that it's not good for the family. So you've taken the step back to be able to focus more on the family and, and other things that you already had going on in your priorities. What, what does the next step at this point look like and... And how will you pick back up if you choose to pick back up and get a bigger load? So after my disappointing experience with having too much work over the summer, as we were getting ready to start the next school year, I made a decision that I was only going to take on two patterns per week. And this is something that I continue to assess because this fall, I learned that if I have a sweater pattern that has 10 sizes and 15 pages, then that should be the only project I do that week. And I also made a decision that whenever I have multiple requests for editing at the same time, I will prioritize patterns for accessories over sweaters because hat, sock, and shawl patterns don't take as long to edit as sweater patterns do, and I also tend to enjoy those more. So now, there are weeks when I have two patterns to work on. I enjoy doing the work, and I enjoy making some income. I've been using it to get more supplies for my crafts, and also setting it aside for home improvement projects. And then there are other weeks where I don't get any work, and I see that as a good opportunity to get caught up on things around the home. And I remind myself that both of these things are from the Lord, whether I'm, whether I'm doing editing or not, I want to be a good steward of both of those things. So I have a plan in place for how I could increase my business and find more clients. 
So if we were in a position where we suddenly needed more income, I could do that. But in the meantime, I'm holding off on that until the kids are older and able to do more schoolwork independently. Talking about about the kids there, it had me thinking of that video you posted with um, one of the girls knitting and expressing her joy for knitting. Uh, do, do they like to do that while you're doing your editing or is knitting with them something where I'm solely focused on them because if I turn away, they're going to need me again anyway? How does that work out? So yeah, the younger girl knits, the older girl does finger knitting, and she also does weaving on potholder looms. And I kind of felt like as an experienced knitter, my kids should both be knitting at young ages. But I did find it difficult to teach my daughter to knit. Um, but now that she's finally to the point where she can do it on her own, that's very exciting. But sometimes she'll see me um, working on editing and she'll sit down quietly and she'll want to knit too at the same time. Did you ever reach a point where you lost your joy in, in your hobby? And if so, how did you work through that? I go through phases with that. I get really excited about new techniques and I love starting new projects. And then I get to the point where I feel guilty that I have so many different projects going and I feel like I need to start finishing things. And so then I have to remind myself that my craft is supposed to help me relax and unwind and not be something that stresses me. It's great to see how intentional then you are in trying to keep it a joy and something that you really love and not just becoming the thing that you have to do. What other ways have you been able to be intentional in your time as a wife and a mom and homeschooler teacher? I, I know you already kind of mentioned, um, touched on that a little bit. That, that all sounds like a lot to juggle. Yeah. And I always feel like I could do better. Um, one thing I try to remind myself is I don't want my kids to grow up someday and look back and feel like I was too busy for them. So that's one of the things I keep in my mind. I'm always learning how long different things take because one thing I've had trouble with is underestimating how long something will take and then I end up in a rough place and I want to be able to better plan out how I'm going to use my time. It would definitely help if I were not so slow in the mornings because then we could start school earlier and get everything done before lunch. That would be my ideal day. I try to keep an open mind that the way I'm currently doing things might not turn out to be the best. And so I try to always have the mindset just looking for ways to do things better. I've heard you hint today a lot on flexibility, not necessarily using the word flexibility, but just the need for remaining flexible. I don't know if that's always been been my greatest skill. <laughs> that is something that having kids has taught me because yeah that's something that's been stressful for me I really like consistency 
Not everyone is a gifted knitter. I am in that group. Um, but do you have any advice that you think could translate over for other mompreneurs or someone who would like to look into being a mompreneur? Be continually reassessing your priorities and talk to your husband about how it's going. Every family is different. Some families are able to give more priority to the wife running a business and it works well for them. But one of the major factors in my life is the fact that my husband is a UPS delivery driver. He works long hours and we never know what days he'll be home for supper and what days I'll be doing bedtime by myself. In order for him to succeed at this job, it takes both of us being committed to making our family life work under these circumstances. But we appreciate the income and benefits he has with UPS, so we are both content with the way our life looks. So me being at home is what gives our family the stability that we need, and I have to make sure that I'm available to meet everyone's needs and keep things running smoothly. But also, if he's going to be working long hours, I don't want to have to spend my nights and weekends working on editing because that's the only time we would have to spend together. There was a time when I was so excited about tech editing that I briefly imagined what it would be like if I sent my kids to the local charter school and then spent more time on my business. But I quickly realized that my future self would be very disappointed if I gave up that opportunity to teach my children. While I'm keeping my workload light right now, I see it as laying a foundation for the future. Someday I would like to make editing a bigger part of my life, and when that time comes, I'll be ready to do it. But in the meantime, I want to make sure I devote my time to the things that are most important to our family so I don't have to look back with regrets. I think it's really good how much emphasis you've put today on your family and your husband and um, and just realizing those needs and how you need to meet those needs too. Yeah, I I find that it's very easy for me to look at other families and feel like, well, I should be doing that thing that those other wives are doing. And if I don't, then I'm a bad wife. But every family is different. That's really important. I I definitely find myself seeing other moms and and all of these big amazing things they're doing and I and I think, oh, I'm not doing enough but we're in a totally different situation than they are or I don't see the whole picture. Um, they might be feeling like you said that you thought ahead and realized you would look back with regrets. They might be feeling those regrets. And I think it's it's just easy to get caught up in the small picture that we do see and and not focus then on what our reality is, you know? Um, yeah, so I I just I really I really liked that you pulled that out so many times throughout this interview. Now I was wondering where can those listening see your work? What would be the best place for them to catch up with you if they're interested? 
I'm several different places online as knitting to infinity with the number two. So my website is knitting to infinity.com. And I have a few different things on my website. I have a blog, which isn't very much about editing. It's mostly just about the random different crafty things I'm doing. And then at the top, I have several menu options where you can go if you want to learn more about my tech editing. And one of those pages, I have a list with pictures of different kinds of projects I've been able to work on. And so then I'm also knitting to infinity on Facebook and Instagram and also on Ravelry, which is a social media site just for yarn crafty people. So a lot of your listeners probably haven't heard of that one. Ashley, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts and experience with us. You were and are an encouragement to me, and I know that there are listeners who needed to hear that today also. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you were encouraged or challenged by something you heard, and I always love hearing from listeners, so please, please reach out at Tina Hornick on Instagram or at keepingmysanity.com. As always, the link to everything we talked about today is in the show notes. Have a fantastic day, and I can't wait to talk to you next time.